Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. It's the amazing Rico Bronia podcast with your host, Evan Roberts. All right, everybody, welcome to the Rico. The Mets have gotten swept by the Philadelphia Phillies in a four-game series. And I'm not actually angry about that. I'm angry about other things. But you can listen to me and Tiki, 2 o'clock on the fan, to hear about that. As far as this team is concerned, since they made the sell-off decision that they made a few months ago, they had that awful road trip right after the shock of the trades. Remember they got swept by Can- or lost two out of three to Kansas City? I don't even remember. But they got swept by Baltimore. And it felt as if maybe the shock of what the Mets decided to do kind of affected them on that road trip. Once they came back from it, really over the last two months, the Mets have played halfway decent baseball. They have played three, uh, 13 series coming into this one against the Phillies. They won six of those series, they lost six of those series, and they split a two-game series with the Nationals. So this has basically been kind of like this mediocre win a series, lose a series, win a series. Nothing's too great. Nothing's too bad. Obviously, none of it meant anything in the standings. Now they go to Philadelphia and get swept. And really, it's the first time since that Baltimore series where I don't want to say the Mets embarrassed themselves because, A, I don't think people care that much, and B, really over the first three games of this series, the Mets showed a lot of fight. They did. I mean, you go back to the opener of this series on Thursday, and again, a game probably very few people were paying attention to. Giants are playing Thursday night. The Met game got dumped off of Fox locally. It ended up on my nine. So hopefully hopefully you heard that update prior to the Thursday game because we ended the Rico last week or a few days ago with the question of, wait a second, are the Mets going to be blacked out? No, they were on my nine. But in that game, the Mets fought back from multiple deficits. Deficits. They were down 2 nothing early. They come back. They tie the game in the second inning. They're down in the sixth. Mark Vientos continued his power surge, hit a home run. And then immediately, Jet Brigham, another guy who none of us ever want to look at ever again, gives up that absolute pee shot to Nicholas Castellanos. So the Mets showed fight. Like, it's not as if they got rolled over in this series. And in game one of this series, they had so many opportunities late after Castellanos hit that home run off Brigham to come back, tie or win the game, and maybe cause a, a tiny bit of worry to the Philly fan who is now dancing their way to the first wild card spot. But it was very typical. David Peterson gave us the reason why nobody should trust David Peterson in the rotation next year, why 
he should not even be considered like a viable rotation piece in 2024. He begins the game by walking multiple guys. He gives up that home run to Alec Bohm. It was just a very typically up and down, mediocre performance by David Peterson. And that's who he is. That's just the reality. I, we've had two months to sit back and watch him every five days. And while you look for progress and maybe you try to talk yourself into, oh, he's a lefty and he's developing late, he's the same guy, which is why it's been how many starts? It's been two months. I stand by the same thing I said to you, Pete Hoffman, on July 25th, which is keep him in the bullpen. Let's see what he's got there because I think that's his role in the future. It's certainly not going to be in this rotation, and he's done nothing over the last two months to change anybody's opinion, I don't think. No, it hasn't. And again, like I, I don't even know if I could trust him in the bullpen. That's the problem. And it sucks to say that because you know you want to have some sort of – you know, you want to be able to develop somebody, and there's like no pitching prospects. There's no pitching uh, talent in our in our in our minor league system right now, which sucks. It really, it's not there yet. Well, what's frustrating is that I get that after the trades, you kind of needed to fill out this rotation, and the Mets basically looked at these last two months as that final audition for David Peterson, final audition even for Tyler McGill. And so I, I get that perspective, but the other side of it was this also could have been a two-month audition to see what this guy has out of the bullpen because, to your point, I don't think any of us feel good about him going into opening day 2024 as a lefty piece out of the pen. Like, it's just a theory. It's nothing we've ever seen on a consistent basis. So it's frustrating that over these last two months, as the Mets have lost games at times because of their bullpen, you could certainly argue they lost game one of this series because of their bullpen. Jeff Brigham comes into a game, and he immediately gives up a home run to Nicolas Castellanos. It's a big part of why they lost. So it would have been nice for the last few months to at least have had a look at David Peterson at the likelier role he's going to have on this team. Now, the end of this game was frustrating. I mentioned they had a golden opportunity in the eighth against Craig Kimbrell. It never gets old if you can rally and beat Craig Kimbrell. Never. That is a guy, every time he does that little lean-over thing with his arm dangling, I just want to rip that elbow off. And I know that sounds violent and wrong. Obviously, I don't want to ruin his career or anything like that. It's just it bothers me as it's dangling there. Ah, it pisses me off. And they had second he, and third one out. He looks, like nothing. A, he looks like a vulture. I don't know why. That reminds <laughs> me of a very vulture-like type of thing. Yeah. I don't know what the hell it is. I mean, we're so used to it because we've watched it for a decade. But to his credit, he got out of it. Second and third, one out. Mets down by a run in the eighth. Francisco Alvarez pops up in the infield. Brett Beatty ends up striking out. They had another shot in the ninth inning when Brandon Nimmo had that one-out double. Ronnie Mauricio flies out. And poor Pete. Pete is, he's had a very streaky season. And, you know, we're a week away from this season ending, so we have an idea of where these numbers are going to look or what these numbers are going to look like. But right now, he's in one of those bad streaks. <laughs> he's in one of those bad streaks when he comes up. The question I have is, what kind of pitch is he going to strike out on? That's the only question I have. And he ended the game by striking out. So really the long and short out of game one was mediocrity out of David Peterson. Mark Vientos hits another home run. They show a little bit of fight. They lose to the Philadelphia Phillies. Friday night's game, which was on Apple TV, boy, they, they were testing us this week. <laughs> they go from, where's the game on Thursday? Oh, wait, it's my nine. To now you got to fire up the dopey Apple TV 
and watch the Mets play the Phillies on Friday night. I thought, I'll give him a compliment, it was as good as Tyler McGill has thrown the baseball. I don't want to say it's good all year. It was one of his better starts of the year. Without, you know, going through each box score, I almost feel they're responsible saying, ah, oh, it's his best start of the year. It probably wasn't, but it was one of his better starts of the year because he didn't have to nurse his way out of rallies every inning, which tends to be the problem for him. Like, he was efficient. He didn't allow anything over the first five innings. Uh, he was very, very solid. And then it all comes crashing down in the sixth inning. He gives up that cheap infield hit to Alec Bohm. There's two outs. There's two on. He's right there with a chance to get through this inning. Oh, somebody's calling me. Hold on. Oh, my son's calling me. Should I uh, answer that? No, I'm just kidding. My wife's going to answer that. Did you hear that ring, by the way, or was that just in my earphone, Pete? Nobody heard it? No. My apologies. I should have ignored that. <laughs> I use a computer that my wife like has like the login for. So anyone who calls her, it actually calls me whenever I'm doing a podcast. So my apologies. Is it like a Facebook, like Facebook Messenger type of thing? Or like, um... No, it's uh, Apple, Apple, iCloud, Flingy. Yeah. iChat. Apple iCloud. Okay. So like if you call her phone, it would also go to your tablet. This happens to me too. Like if someone calls my phone, it goes to my tablet. So yeah, I apologize. I apologize. What was I saying now? Uh, Tyler McGill. He's one out away from getting through the sixth inning and giving you this like perfect, solid six inning performance. And JT Realmuto, and this was a theme all weekend. How many freaking times did JT Realmuto come up with a big two out or one out hit? And he did it on Friday. It's the three run bomb. They're down three to two, they're down four to two. And McGill, overall, if you look past, and it's very tough to do this, if you look past the Real Muto three-run home run, he was a pitch away from giving you that complete performance. And JT had a great weekend. And Tyler McGill made a bad pitch. And so a Met 2-0 lead, and McGill giving you six scoreless, handing the ball to the bullpen, all gets thrown in the gutter because JT Real Muto is better than him. And look, the Mets, again, they showed fight. This is the thing about the first two games of this series. They go down four to two. And here's our boy, Brett Beatty. That was a big moment for Brett Beatty, who needs to show us something. And he's shown us a little bit over the last week since he's come back from the groin injury. He's hit. And this was his most impressive moment because it's still Craig Kimbrell. You're still down in the ninth inning. You're still on the road in front of 35,000 people. As meaningless as this game may be for the Mets, it ain't meaningless for Brett Beatty. And so his game-tying home run in the ninth inning was, it was something, you know, it's nothing to sneeze at. It's a very good sign for Brett. Unfortunately, we're at this point now with a week to go in the season, but there's really nothing that can happen that's going to change how we feel about what we saw this season. And I'm not talking about overall. We all know this team sucked this year. I'm talking about like the individual. Like, I don't know if there's anything Brett Beatty can do in a week that's going to make you, Pete, say, hey, that's the everyday third baseman in 2024. I mean, he had a terrible season. So a week's not necessarily going to change that. But I did think that home run on Friday was a big positive for Brett Beatty. Well, the hope is, and I know I'm being a douche here, but like the hope is, is that maybe Beatty's doing enough that other teams will be like, you know what? I'd trade for him. 
And we that's could, where we're at. That's what that no, because you got to think about the big picture. Is we're gonna have a log jam right now. We're gonna have a log jam because I know there's gonna be moves in the off season, but Mauricio is making a case to be an everyday player, and that means that there's somebody that's gonna either be a bench or go back to the minors next. Well, year. we're gonna spend more time on this in a little bit. We'll also get to the athletic article as long as well as the rest of the series. But I think Ronnie Mauricio is an everyday player next year. The question is where. That is going to be the million-dollar question. And we'll get into it because I think he's looked good at third base. I think he's looked good at second base. Uh, we haven't seen him in the outfield, so we can't judge him on that. But I'm I'm not ready necessarily to look at Beatty and just say, that's trade bait. What I am ready to say is he had a bad year this year. This was a big opportunity for him, and he mostly failed. Now, he's been hitting a lot better over the last week or so, and that's nice, but it's certainly not enough to eradicate all the bad we've seen from him at the plate. Uh, as far as how they lost this game, the last two innings, in a lot of ways, said everything about this season. Jeff McNeil fouls a ball off his nuts. He literally does it. I, I'm sure even if you don't watch these games, you have seen the clip of Jeff McNeil literally fouling a ball off of his egg corns. I mean, it literally happened. The squirrel right there. And the poor guy's in pain. But here's the best part that no one's going to talk about. But we'll talk about it on the Rico. This poor son of a bitch fouls the ball off his nuts. It's 0-2 in the 10th inning. Yeah, 10th inning. And what does he do? He draws a walk. How about that? And then you have the dopey Apple TV announcers saying, no balls, two strikes. <laughs> He's got no balls. No, 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 no. That guy does have balls. Because despite fouling the ball off said balls, what did he do? He put that bat together. And then, of course, Pete Alonzo struck out with the bases loaded. <laughs> Which is, you know, I don't want to pick on our boy Pete, but, you know, it's been a struggle. What can you say? It's just another punch to the balls. <laughs> it really was. Because you knew, <laughs> okay, this game's over. Like, what, what are we doing here? And then in the bottom of the 10th inning, they walk Bryce Harper. They give up a bloop single to Alec Baum. It was very quick and painless. Let's get the hell out of here. So they lose on Thursday, a game they come back in and lose a tough one, blow opportunities late. They lose on Friday when Tyler McGill makes one bad pitch in the sixth inning. They get a dramatic comeback, and then they lose the ball. Uh, lose the ball. <laughs> Balls are on my mind. What can I say? They lose the game when a ball's hit off nuts, a guy strikes out, and there's a little dinky blooper. I mean, I, I have said this a lot over the last week, but they had three games. Those two games we just described and the game they lost in Miami, if they were in a pennant race, we'd be in depression. Like the, Those are just awful, awful losses. You almost have to remind yourself, it's great that they suck. It's I great be- that these games don't matter, right? I mean, Evan, right now, I don't know if I'd be able to live another day if I had to deal with a Mets pennant race and them losing this way and then watching the Jets. Ah, dude, I don't know. It'd no, be- that would just kill all of us. <laughs> I mean, it's the bottom line. <laughs> uh, as far as Saturday's com- game's concerned, I'm stunned they played on Saturday and Sunday. I looked at the weather going into the weekend, and I assume Philly, New York, it's close. And I thought to myself, well, there'll be no baseball. And the Mets aren't playing, the Yankees aren't playing. And stunningly, the Yankees got one of their games in Sunday, didn't on Saturday. 
and the Mets got both of the games in. Like, I, I couldn't believe it. I sat down DVR style on Saturday and said, there's not going to be anything here. And it was an entire game. The only thing I'll give you from this game is a couple of things. Number one, Jose Quintana was mediocre, and it was really one of the rare times he was. Because Quintana, and Quintana's had such a weird year, man, because he wasn't pitching when they needed him the most. So his second half, in which he's taking the ball every five, six days, which is great, and he's made 12 starts, and he's been sturdy as all hell, it hasn't mattered the way it would have mattered if he took the baseball in the first half of the year. But Quintana was bad. One of the rare times we've seen that. And early in this game, Ronnie Mauricio showing us the speed. He steals a run in the second inning. I forget who got the base hit. I apologize. Someone got an RBI single, and Ronnie Mauricio took advantage of that uh, little kind of hesitation in the outfield and was able to score from first. And it was so encouraging to see because that's one of the aspects of Ronnie Mauricio. One of the aspects of his game that's like, wow, okay. And by the way, here was the play. Brett Beatty hit a ground ball to shortstop. Trey Turner couldn't come up with it. DJ Stewart scored. Mauricio kept running and scored all the way from first. And basically stole a run. That was fun. That was fun. Because as I'm watching him dart around the bases and score, I'm thinking of next year, and I'm thinking of, wow, wouldn't it be nice to have that kind of power, switch it, power, and speed in the middle of this lineup? And then the other problem was the Mets are getting their ass kicked. They're down 6-2, to two, game's over. They come back. It's a game. And then Reed Garrett, another guy, no one ever wants to see him again, gives up a two-out RBI single to JT Realmuto right after the Mets rally. Mets lose 7-5. Again. This is a pennant race, just infuriating stuff. But a couple of minutes on Jose Quintana. So Jose Quintana has made 12 starts. And if you look at the 12 starts he's made in the second half of this year, he is the absolute model of consistency. Model of consistency. He is a six-inning, two-run guy every five days. And I'll prove it to you. Very quickly, here is 12 starts. <coughs> Five innings, two runs. Six innings, two runs. Six and two-thirds, three runs. Six innings, two runs. Six innings, one run. Six innings, two runs. Here's the dud. Five and a third, five runs. That was against the Braves. We all know something weird's going on with them. Six innings, no runs. Seven innings, one run. Five innings, two runs. Six and two-thirds, two runs. And then obviously the dud against the Phillies. Six innings, five runs. That is almost a remarkable consistency that Quintana's had. By the way, you add all that up, it's a 3.39 ERA. He does not have a good win-loss record. That has a lot to do with the Met offense and the Met bullpen. But I think it's going to be forgotten because of when it's happened in the season. But that is some consistency. That's a consistency that no one else other than Senga was even close to giving the Mets. Verlander wasn't doing that. Scherzer wasn't doing that. And it's your kind of daily Rico reminder that the more you think about it, the Quintana injury may have been the most may have been the most serious death blow to the Mets season. Then we realize. Obviously, we know about Diaz and Verlander missing the first month and Marte being a shell of his former self. Alon like we get it. 
But the Quintana one, especially if he was doing that in the first half of the year, I mean, you heard the whole thing. That is a model of consistency. All right, let's get through this series so we can talk about real stuff. As far as the fourth game is concerned, they moved it back five hours. Great. Francisco Lindor is running in and went out in the fifth inning, down 4 nothing. That was annoying. Ronnie Mauricio at a right-handed home run. First one he said at the major league level. An absolute rip shot the sixth inning that sort of made the game interesting. And Jose Budo had his comeback to reality game. We spent a few minutes on Budo last time on the Rico. How unusual of a season he's had with his struggles at AAA compared to the starts that he's put together at the major league level in September. Well, he faced a really good offense and he got beaten up. I, my opinion on Budo is the same. He's in that swingman conversation for 2024. I don't think anything has changed in that regard. Mets lose game four. They get swept. It was perfect that it ended with Pete Alonso making the final out because Pete's been a mess recently. He's been a mess. So the Mets get swept by the Philadelphia Phillies. It's obnoxious. It's annoying. But luckily, it doesn't matter. <laughs> and we're a week away now from being completely put out of our misery. I try to remind myself that as much as it's going to be relieving to end this season, to just have it go away, I'm going to miss it. Like the one thing about baseball that certainly the NFL doesn't bring, you win a game, you get a week to be excited about it. You lose a game, you have a week to beat your head against the, you know, the desk you're sitting at. Baseball's that everyday occurrence. It's a companion. So part of why it's so difficult for me, even if I wasn't doing the Rico, to just stop watching the Mets when they're having a bad year is you spend all of April, all of May, all of June, all of July. Like, it's tough to just say, okay, I'm done. <coughs> I know some people do it. I have a tough time doing it. Now, we're going to be forced to do that in a week. And some of us will watch the playoffs and try to get excited about it. And I will watch the playoffs, obviously. I love the MLB playoffs, but it's not our team. It's not our guys. It's not our frustration. And now our frustration is a week away from ending. 